When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth Shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make Shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. Another day is here, and you're ready for it. What to wear? Check. Breakfast, lunch, and dinner? Check. Planning for what's next and how to save for it? That's where Bank of America can help. For your financial to-dos, Bank of America has experts ready to help get you closer to your goals. Get started at one of our local financial centers or 24-7 in our mobile banking app. Find a location near you at bankofamerica.com slash talk to us. What would you like the power to do? Mobile banking requires downloading the app and is only available for select devices. Message and data rates may apply. Bank of America and a member FDIC. Welcome to the Oil Spills Podcast. I'm host Craig Ellingson. I'm with uh, hockey beat writers uh, Jim Matheson and Rob Dijkowski of the Edmonton Sun and the Edmonton Journal. We're uh, on the eve of the NHL season starting. Now, whether I actually, we're recording this on, on October 1st, Tuesday, and the season starts tomorrow. So whether, you know, this podcast, you hear it today or tomorrow, it all depends on when we get the thing edited and thrown up on into the old World Wide Web, whatever we're calling the internet now. Gentlemen, here we are, the culmination of three weeks of training camp. Has it been three weeks or has it only been two and a half? Seems like months and months. I hate training <laughs> camp. I'm just I'm glad it's over. Yeah, you have the you have uh, rookie camp, and then you have main camp with the rookies at main camp. Oh so yeah, of course. It's really been camp. going since the fifth day of September, so, almost a month. Yeah. So okay, fine. I'm I've undershot it on either one. Um, how was how was training camp? Training camp is the same as every training camp. They look like they're an okay team in training camp. Uh, playing against half squads uh, with half squads. And then they start the season and and say it's going to be different this year. And they've got some new players. And uh, I, th- I think this is the way we're going to play. And then we just, if you're a fan, you hold your breath and, and see if, if all those new players can, can uh, make things better than they were last year. Uh, did they do enough in the summer compared to some of the other teams? I don't see it. Because the players they got were role players, bottom six players, and they are bottom six players probably better than last year's bottom six players. But whether those players can help Connor McDavid and Leon Dreisaitl and Ryan Nugent Hopkins, who got 119 goals last year, but by scoring a few more goals, is we'll see. Will they make the playoffs? You know, you'd like to think you live in Edmonton and you're, you know, you can give them their props and say, "Oh yeah, they'll be in they'll be eighth place." I don't see it right now, but I see them out of the playoffs again. Well, <laughs> and how much does Thomas Yurko look like uh, Ty Ratty? Is my question. Yeah, well, he's already injured, so we'll have to we'll have to wait. Yurko already injured. Well, he's nicked up. So they said that uh, having a procedure. To yeah, him. whatever that means. <laughs> that doesn't sound good when they, they say you're having a procedure. <laughs> so he's not playing. No, he'll be out. So <laughs> yeah, two of the guys, you know. Uh, the defenseman and Yurko are already kind of nicked up a little bit. So, and I guess uh, Sheehan's in concussion protocol. So three of the guys they brought in are, won't be won't be there at uh, at the starting gate. I mean, there's a sense of optimism just because there was a lot of change. And you know, when you have a really bad season and you change a whole bunch of players, then there's optimism, right? But you know, you you take a 
you know, you dissect these players and none of them, not a lot of them have, you know, a real strong track record or, 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 or solid pedigree. You just, they're in that situation again, where they're hoping for the best. They're hoping for a lot of guys to come through and fill these roles and to some extent overachieve. Uh, that hasn't happened very often here. Uh, they're going to give it another whirl here. So we'll, we'll see how it goes. Well, I mean, it's, Ken Holland is grabbing a whole lot of dice and rolling them and who knows what you're going to come up with. That, that was the case last year. It's the case, it's been the case almost every training camp, I would say, particularly in the McDavid years, where you're trying to find the right combo of linemates for this guy. And, you know, obviously now we, we don't know what James Neal is going to do, if he's going to stick with McDavid's line or not, whether he's able to have a bounce back season from his piss poor season last year in Calgary. You know, obviously, you know, we don't know what the result of the Milan Lucic for Neil trade is going to be. Um, yeah, it's, to me, There's it's a lot of really wishing, no a lot of wishing and hoping. Yeah, you're, you know, you bring in your gambles, you bring in Europeans, and while they were good in Europe, Nygaard scored 21 goals in Sweden, which is terrific in a defensive league. And Haas, Gaetan Haas from Switzerland's on their national team, plays in the you know World Championships, and is quite a good player. But whether they can you know, give the the team some, you know, more in goals. Well, I guess it, we'll have to see. I mean, I, I, you know, it, it still comes down to McDavid and Dreisaitl. I mean, they, they carried the team pretty much last year. Too many players last year had career years. And then the, the negative, you know, not, not you says, okay, Chase on had a career year, you know, Cassian had a career year. McDavid had, you know, had 41 goals. Drysdale scored 50. Nugent Hopkins had a career year. Will they all, will they do it again? Some of them might, but some might not. So you're hoping other people maybe pick up the slack yeah. for some of those guys. Because it can't come down to just those two guys again. Because like you said, they just had career years last year and that wasn't good enough. Yeah, it was it good for 25th. It wasn't close, yeah. <laughs> so we need to... You know, we some miracle has to happen because it didn't happen last year or the year before. One of these guys, if this is what we have, and outside of some trade happening where we see somebody with, with you know more pedigree than any other forwards besides McDavid, uh, Drysaddle, and Nugent Hopkins, unless someone else is coming in, we better hope for a comet to appear. Yeah, I mean, like you said, like when you when your three best guys have career years and then Cassian and Chase on have career years and it's still not even close to good enough. And then you come back the next year, you just say, like Maddie said, there's, there's just, just a slight sag, like a 5% sag of those five players are the guys that they've brought up, not only good enough to get them from 25 to 16th place. If those guys were having career years, but are they good enough to, you know, not only do that, but but overcome the five percent sag that might be in place from the top five guys. There's a lot of like a lot of wishing and hoping, and and uh, I'm not really sure. And at the end of the day, it's goaltending. Are those two guys good enough to uh, to you know be your you know game stealing starting net miners in the National Hockey League? And there's there's not a lot of confidence. Maybe a little bit more in Smith, just because you know he's he has done it. Koskinen, I don't know. We'll see, but. Uh, I don't know. Yeah, like you can't miss every year. Like at some point it all has to come together, but you just look at this on paper and you just, I'm not really, I don't know. I don't see it. I don't, you can't have average goaltending with an average team. Let's put it that way. I mean, if the team is average and you have good goaltending and you win lots of close games, uh, especially early when you start to think, okay, you know what? The style we're playing, 
the goaltending is quite good, and maybe we can ride this um, the whole season. But you can't have just average goaltending in an average team. That goaltending has to be better than what is perceived by in the National Hockey League as a bottom six goaltending in the in the league. It can't. It has to be middle of the road at worst to get this team into the playoffs because I don't think they can outscore their mistakes defensively enough to get in the playoffs. And last year they had fewer than you know a point a game, so they're going to have to find seven more wins sometime, you know, 15 more points at least, I think, to make the playoffs. And can they do that? Well, it has to come from the goaltending, usually. That's how it happens. Your goaltending adds up to a win a month, one more win a month, and uh, then you're in the playoffs. Even when you have a good team in average goaltending, you're, you're really rolling, that's rolling the dice I too. I think the poster team the Oilers should be looking at is the Islanders last year. They were terrible the year before. They gave up a ton of goals. And Trotz, Barry Trotz came in, who has, who runs a structured team and, and with what was perceived to be average goaltending with Thomas Grace and Robin Leonard, who left Buffalo. And suddenly they get a hundred, over a hundred points. And they win the goaltending, they win a visit, you know, the, Jennings Trophy is the best defensive team in the league. With a team that wasn't great, certainly their defense, you look at their defense, it's an average defense. They don't have a stud on defense. And, you know, some good forwards, but not great forwards, and they got over 100 points. So I think that's, if you're the Oilers, that's what you got to hope for, is that that your goaltending holds you in the games and they give up fewer good chances you know, in their own end of the ice and they win games. Well, the one year they did make the playoffs, Talbot was co-MVP with yeah. Connor McDavid. So that just, that tells you right there. And then as soon as he trailed off, that was it. You never heard from this team again. So, you know, you have to be, especially on a team that isn't great defensively, you know, the, he's, you know, team defense wise included, not just the blue line. You have to have a goalie who can you know, bail you out of a lot of situations and, it remains to be seen if they have that, but they, they'll have to have that. You, this team's going nowhere unless their goaltenders are, are really good. They're going nowhere either if their penalty killing stays as 30th place in a 31-team league. This is, their penalty killing the last couple of years has been awful, and they give up one you know power play goal every game, so you're behind one nothing before the game even starts because you can only kill off three out of every four power plays. And most teams get four power plays in a game, so you're behind one nothing. So well, that was their cycle. We were, we were talking about it at the rink the other day. It's just like you know the you know Koskinen would let in a bad one, the defense would give the other guys a backdoor tap in, and then they would get scored on on the PK. And the, you know there's your three goals in a three two league, and that's why the others were always sort of coming from behind, and they have to eliminate a couple of those freebies, whether it's the bad goal by Koskinen, whether it's the easy you know defensive coverage breakdown that leads to the tap-in or the or the PK goal. They have to shore up two of those areas uh, to, to cut down the goals against because that's what's been killing them. You know, I like to try to draw parallels to the past whenever I can, but it doesn't always work. Because when I think about the goaltending situation for the Oilers this year, I think back 20 years ago or whatever, when we had the tandem of Michael Stalenkoff and Bob Essenza, and that obviously didn't work for the Oilers. They had a, they had a good enough team up front but they had to go and make a trade, bring Tommy Salo in to try to get into the playoffs. And, you know, obviously that, you know, this is different times. I mean, the trade market is not, probably not the same as it was back then. There's no salary cap back then and all that jazz. And, you know, different financial times too. But you also had a different general manager and 
you know. I mean, the, the goaltending part, I, that, that, that was a good, very good analogy because well, you're the only guy that would remember Mikhail Shlenkov. Well, you, you guys too, come on. And Bobby Essensa, who now is the goaltender coach for the Boston Bruins, so he's Bobby's pretty good as a goalie coach, for sure. Um, yeah, I, I, they always talk about goaltending. We get two goalies, they'll push one another. I'd rather have one really good goalie. You could say, yeah. you know what? If we got to play this guy two out of three, we're in good shape. Uh, like Vasilevsky, say, in Tampa Bay or Price in Montreal. Um, or, you know, the second half of last year where you had Bennington playing goal and winning almost every game in St. Louis. So it, it's good to have two goalies pushing one another on in theory, but usually you would rather have one goalie takes it and says, you know what, I'm the guy and we're better off with me than the other guy. And the coach sees that too. So I don't know. I agree with Rob. I mean, obviously Koskinen's stats at the end of the year weren't that bad. He was over nine, you know, or mm -hmm. the, he got bad only after they traded Cam Talbot where he had to play every game and he wasn't used to playing that. So even giving up the bad, you know, goals, his, his stats weren't awful, um, but he has to be way more consistent um, game in, game out. And then Mike Smith, if he can play like he did in the playoffs last year, then they're fine. But one guy's 31, the other guy's 37. There's no, there's no magic elixir here. You know, Mike, you know, one guy hasn't played too many games in the NHL and the other guy's played a ton, but the other guy's 37. So we'll see. Yeah. If they're, if, if at the end of the season, they're still running in like a, a 55, 45 or, you know, 41 games each split that's 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 no good somebody has to step up and be the guy and by christmas say you know you know mike smith is starting two out of every three games or koskinen is starting two every one of these guys has to step up and prove that he's an elite nhl goalie that can that can get a team into the playoffs and through a couple of rounds because if, if it's like you know you get this game you get that game you get this game you get that game that means that one guy isn't stealing it because the odds of them both being so good that you can't sit one for more than a game at a time is is pretty unlikely i i think the best case scenario is somebody plays 75 percent of the games and somebody's a true backup at, at, at 25 and ideally you want that to be the guy who's making four and a quarter for the next three years so well, reigns to be seen but you know that's kind of what they should be hoping yeah, for the guy with fewer miles on him but yeah I the mean, 31 year old with the three-year contract as opposed to the 37 year old who's certainly back to forwards um so what are our line combinations going to be I mean, McDavid was playing with, well, the practice was lining up with Yurko and Neil, but are we going to see Drysaddle? Drysaddle, Drysaddle uh, was again? with Nugent Hopkins yeah. today. Yeah. Well, these injuries, like Yurko was hurt today, so that's why they that happened. And then yesterday, uh, Sheehan was out, so they you know had to go three center. Let's put it this way. It looks like Leon will play with either Nuge or Connor. <laughs> yeah, which is a good line either which way. Is, which is fine. Um, you look at the center's. I can't think of a team in the league with three better centers than McDavid, Dreisaitl, and Nugent Hopkins. But I see a lot of teams with better wingers who can score goals than the Oilers do, and it's nice to have the three centers, but if you don't have people on the on the line that can also, with a, with a pedigree for scoring goals, it, it spreads the offense around, but doesn't necessarily mean you've got one forward line that's really, really good. Yeah, I, 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 I would leave... Dreisaitl, Nugent, Hopkins, and Cassian together. I really like the looks of that as a second line. And then hopefully if, you know, Neil and McDavid can develop some chemistry, then it almost doesn't matter who you throw in on the other wing. And that's 
you know, that's, you've got your balance split up a little bit. And I think that could be a really effective, you know, twosome that, that eats up a lot of the minutes. And then you just put your third and fourth lines out there and, you know, don't give anything up and you've got some penalty killing specialists and that could be a formula, uh, you know, ride your horses hard, you know, ideally you want to have a third line that's, you know, teams are going instead of top six nowadays, it's top nine. You have three lines that can kind of contribute. I'm don't think the others are there yet, but I know that if that if Neil is for real and that, you know, I like the looks of that second line, I think they have a, a really solid top six. When did Neil and McDavid play together in the preseason? They, they did play together. A bunch, a, yeah. A bunch, right? Like more than one game. I mean, you know, McDavid played in two games. How did they look together? Uh, okay. Um, I think everybody who plays with Connor McDavid looks better than okay. You know, they should be. He's the best player in the league. Um, I think, you know, Neil and Connor both worked out in the summer with Gary Roberts, so they know one another from, you know, another picture show. So I think there should be some some sort of syner- synergy there. And I think Neil is used to playing with good, you know, really good players. He certainly did in in uh, Pittsburgh, and he certainly did in, in uh, Vegas. So yeah, he's used to too. playing, yeah. you know, he was playing top line in his practice. Yeah, last too. year in Calgary, and in, in practice Calgary they were together a ton. Like they Calgary were, didn't last year because yeah. he didn't didn't just didn't seem to work, and he was on a third line. So, yeah. so yeah. even though even though McDavid wasn't playing a bunch of games, like in camp they were skating together a lot. And Neil's looked good in 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 camp as well. Like he's, you know, you know, you don't want to say a guy has an excuse for the last year, but he has an excuse for the last year. He went to back to back Cup finals and relocated twice. I mean that's a lot to put on a human being's plate. You know, he gets a, he gets a chance to decompress a little bit and, and has something to prove and playing with Connor McDavid. And I, I expect him to get 25 this year. Like we'll see, but I, I think that that's, that's, they could have absolutely hammered Calgary on that trade. Do you think Neil's more capable of getting that 2025 playing with McDavid than Lucic would have? Absolutely. <laughs> yeah, absolutely. Yeah, yeah. But I mean, Milan's in at his stage of the game. Now he's in a different role. Um, in Calgary, they want to play him with Derek Ryan, who's a probably the best face-off guy in the league. So, it remains to be seen. I mean, I think there's a better chance, certainly, that Neil gets twenty than 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 uh, Lee. You know, Milan gets, gets five, yeah. gets you know, fifteen in Calgary, say. But you know, you got to kind of hope that that Neil gives them another twenty goal score. Because I don't know if if we all love Alex Chase on the way he plays and what kind of guy he is. Is he going to score 22 goals? Uh, he was really good on the power play last year. Not so good five on five, and he even admitted that. If he still stays on a power play, he'll get some goals. If he's just going to play on a third line and not with, you know, McDavid or 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 Nuge, Nugent Hopkins or or Drysaddle, I don't know how many goals yeah. Alex will score. I think Lucic will do okay in in Calgary. Like they didn't, they don't need offense from him. That's fine. If he scores three goals for them, they're fine. They got all the offensive players they need on that team. They're they're set that way. They could just use a little bit of you know insurance for Kachuk. Like how big a jerk is he going to be to play against now that he has to you know he has this guy looking over his shoulder. Um, you know they just need him to be hard on the forecheck to be you know to to add to the you know the presence that they've had and you know if he scores three goals they're fine because they've got Goudreau and Monahan and Kachuk and all those guys and, and a Norris Trophy defenseman 
you know, they're there. They have the luxury of not needing that offensive production from him, but needing the other elements that he brings that the Oilers spoke very highly of, you know, Connor McDavid when talking about Lucic was glowing. He said, you know, if he, if he doesn't score another goal, it's fine. He brings a lot to this team. And as the guy who often is the focus of the other team's checkers and, you know, even though that part of the game is, is dying off, I think, you know, McDavid might see a little bit of a, a rougher ride this year that, uh, he doesn't have somebody like that looking after him, but I think Lucic will add a really uh, a good presence to Calgary. Uh, they're they're a tough team to play against at the best of times, and and I think he makes them a lot tougher. I'd hope the likes of Zach Cassian and Darnell Nurse will. I mean, will have already. They will up have to. Yeah. They'll yeah. have to pick up the slack a little bit, and Milan doesn't have to fight anybody because nobody wants to fight Milan except maybe Ryan Reeves and yeah. in in Vegas, and they're the two most intimidating forwards in the league. So. I agree with Rob. Milan's there to ride shotgun for Johnny Goodrow and uh, and Monaghan and, and and let Kachuk, you know, be the greasy and Milan can be there to clean up the mess. So I guarantee you that when they made that trade, there was a lot of Calgary guys were texting the GM, says, hey, right on. Well, those, know, I mean, Goodrow for sure. The first one texting the GM said, thank you very much because I'm getting a little tired of getting my hands whacked. Yeah, Edmonton physically ran rush out over Calgary. Won a few of the games, but you know, physically, Calgary was on the on the receiving end of that series for a good you know since since Lucic got here, and uh, you know, Calgary saw it up close. That's the reason they they made that trade. Like they're not you know, it's not like they're the only team in the league that didn't realize that Lucic just looks like he's playing with a tennis ball out there. They 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 are they looking they want something else from him that they saw uphand you know face to face and was they deemed to be very valuable. So uh, I think, you know, it could be a win-win from each from each team, but I, I, at the end of the day, I, I think you'll get 25 from Neil and six or seven from Lucic and uh, all the other stuff that Milan will bring to the Flames to make their skill guys a little better too, just by his presence. Now, it'd probably take a, a few games, but let's say, you know, James Neal isn't producing yet. Um alongside McDavid or somewhere in the offense. At what point do the Oilers start seriously considering trading a defenseman for a forward that can help them? Like one of the obvious candidates are, I would say, Darnell Nurse. They're, never, they're not trading Darnell Nurse. Sorry, I don't care what you say. They would trade Adam Larson. Well, what are they going to get though for Adam Larson? Though? They're not getting Taylor, Taylor Hall. Maybe. Yeah, they might get Taylor <laughs> they're Hall. Not getting, they're not trading Darnell Nurse. Hmm. Nope, they see Darnell Nurse is important to them as well, Josh Morrissey yeah. is saying in Winnipeg. Well, so, yeah, Oscar, what does what Oscar Clefbaum get you then? I think Oscar Clefbaum and Adam Larson would be traded before Darnell Nurse. Mm-hmm. Myself, but um, at what they point got do defend, they, they got defend, it, You can't trade those players until you have players from your minor league team can come up and replace those players with similar attributes. Yeah, once they see Baron Bouchard proving that they can do it over 40 National Hockey League games, then you'll have a little bit of wiggle room to do something like or that. Or if Lagesson yeah. shows that he's, he could play the same sort of style that Adam Larson plays in the NHL, then you could maybe trade Adam. So, But until then, you know, I don't know. You don't trade, I wouldn't trade too many defensemen for wingers either. You might want to trade a defenseman for a center, but the owners are loaded at centers. What so. do you trade for a winger then? Another winger? Or goalie? Draft picks? Uh, they're not. They're waiting f- till their wingers, their 
forwards and the minors are ready to play. Benson and and Yamamoto, I think, hopefully play in the top nine. So I don't know if they can, unless there's a player, you know, there's a forward out there and in who's fallen out of favor with a team. I just don't, I just don't see it. Where's Shirelli? St. Louis now advising. So you know maybe they can move Adam Larson there and get. Uh... You know, maybe a top six forward back from the Blues. We'll see if that can come together. I don't think that's quite happening. No. So, uh, <laughs> I don't think Tarasenko is coming yeah. into it. <laughs> Tarasenko for Adam Larson. That's what we need. So what are the chances this team makes the playoffs this year with this team? Uh, it's not a great division. Um, I know there's the top of it is good, but I think, you know, the wild card spot can be had. But uh, so much has to go right for a team that, basically has nothing go right for it. It's tough to say, you know, oh yeah, I think this is the year that they get in. Uh, if I, if you're making me bet, I'm going to say yes, just because you can't miss every single year. At some point you have to stumble your way in. And, and other teams have to drop off. Yeah. And, and it's, it, the, the bizarre thing is they have the pieces that organizations wait decades to get like a, a, a dry sidle, a McDavid, a Nugent Hopkins, all they're being asked to do is surround them with, you know, ham and eggers that can not get in the way of this. And, and they, they haven't been able to do it. So, I mean, the guys they brought in aren't household names and they're largely unproven, but it just, at some point it has to click and they're not being asked to do much, like, you know, kick in 10 goals, you know, don't get scored on, don't be crappy on the penalty kill, just be slightly better than average and McDavid and Dreisaitl will take care of the rest. One thing about Dave Tippett, his first year of coaching in every place, the team improved dramatically. It did in Arizona, did in Dallas. Um, his first year, the team improves dramatically. He has a, he has a ma magic wand with role players and turning them into better players. Certainly did that in Arizona. Uh, made Toby Reeder into a, a really good player in Arizona, for instance. So, yeah, I think the role players they got are NHL players, but you know, whether they can pick up the slack is another thing. I'm, you know, not to be a pessimist. I, on paper right now, the Oilers are in a group with LA and Anaheim and say Vancouver, where you're looking at them going, yeah, something's got to go right here for them to make the playoffs. I, I, unless the bottom falls out, um, of Vegas and San Jose and Calgary, they're in the playoffs. I think they're, they've got better teams. Yeah. And, and Louis so you're there. counting on then only four teams from the central making it rather than, because that's been a, a tougher division um, than in the past. Um, so one of those, I'm thinking one of those central division teams has to drop off that normally makes the playoffs and that gives the Oilers and some of the other teams a chance to get into eighth. I don't see them finishing any higher than eighth in, no, the, in the conference. And 92, 93 points. Can they improve 15 points? That's a lot of points. And they need to be, they can't play the whole season just to get to 500. You know, okay, well now we're at 500. Well, eventually you have to start chipping away at that 500 and get two games over 500, and then four games, and then six games. And in the past, they've this, they don't start the season all that well. And next thing you know, they're at 500 or a couple of games under 500, and, and it's a fight just to get back to 500. And they somehow got to find a way 
to by the end of November be six games over 500 or something, and then they can you know chip away and try to be better than that. Yeah, it's not a great omen when three of the guys they brought in to help are hurt on opening night too. It's like you, know, you bring, you import all these players for training camp. You speak really highly of them. There's Pels, you know, Parison. There's uh, Yurko. There's uh, um, Sheehan. And then opening night, you know, oh, sorry, those guys are hurt. So we're gonna have to go to Plan B right out of the gate. So they need a good start. You know, you want you want the good vibes. You don't want to hear here we go again attitude. You want to like fresh face, new look, new look Oilers kind of a. Uh, momentum thing so you know you got two at home and then four in the road and i but think the, it's the first important six games they're only playing one team that made the play yeah they're winnable year. games for sure but you gotta um, win them right and, you know it's the islanders but then the other teams are looking at the Oilers, saying well we can beat them we're not in the playoffs last year but we can beat them so the first month of the season they don't play the toughest teams off last year's you know uh, point total so you'd like to think they can get through the first month 500 or better and if they're not then it's a, you know it's another struggle that's the oil spills podcast for today you can subscribe to oil spills via apple's podcast app or itunes Google Play, Spotify, or wherever you may access your podcasts.